Welcome back, Defenders. This is Defenders TV Podcast, episode 49, Chimichangas and a Deadpool Movie Review. And we're back, and I'm back, and after two day, two weeks, I should say, of being flying all around Barcelona, uh, I'm finally back to my Defenders. Uh, unfortunately, no, I, the guy did not kick me out. I'm back and I'm full of Jimmy Jongas and I'm here <laughs> because I've convinced them that we're going to do a Deadpool movie review. So first things first, those of you who don't know us, I'm Chris. I'm one of your other hosts, Derek. I'm one of your other hosts, John. Welcome back, everybody. Hey. Yeah, great to have everybody in the same room. Yeah. Ah, it's a good one. It's a good one. I, I unfortunately have been flying for my day job. So the guys have made the most of it and we had a fantastic guest I hear. When I was away. Yes, yes. It uh, had Claire from the Defenders podcast. Yeah. Um, we had our cat for the last episode, so it was just myself and John and the cat, yeah. unfortunately. And his bell. <laughs> yes, but the real truth of it is that um, that Chris said he wouldn't come back unless he was hosting. No, joking. <laughs> Only joking. No, great to have Chris back. He was on his, uh, on his work trip to Barcelona, the lovely, lovely country of Barcelona. I, I, country, I'd agree it? if, if no, it was it's, uh, more than a city, but no, it's just a little city in Spain. It's a city. Okay. But it is the capital city of Catalonia. Which would want to be independent. I see, I see. But enough geography lessons. Yes, yes geography man. <laughs> uh. da, da, da. So let's get to this, people, because I'm yes. full of chimichangas. I know I keep saying it. It's a way. Come on. It's Deadpool. I get to get away with this. <laughs> Absolutely. You are the Deadpool expert. I would not go that far. <laughs> I well, most like I have to like say from the outset. I know Deadpool, but I don't really know or too much about the character. So mm. this, not only for me, was this a really good film. I have to say from from my side, just briefly. Like I, I loved the, I loved the the swearing, the the sexiness, the sassiness. I loved all that. Um, but I was a bit on a learning journey as well, finding out about the character Deadpool. Mm. Yeah. So if if I make any horrendous gags, <laughs> I will call you out on it. You can one. slice me with a katana. Ooh, saucy. I will start off with one word of warning for our, our audience. Um, I'm very likely to call him Daredevil. I think I've called him Daredevil <laughs> about three times before we started recording. So if you hear Daredevil, I mean Deadpool this time, okay, for this particular episode. <laughs> and the other thing we do have to say is that uh, uh, Mummy, Mummy Derek said that, um, you know, this isn't an explicit podcast. Yes, and, of course, uh, Deadpool has... A lot of explicit um, stuff that does go on it. It is R-rated. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Mummy Derek doesn't want us swearing or, or, or talking nudiness um, no, no. O- o- on the podcast. We, well, not explicit nudiness. We will talk around it. We will not use the colourful language of uh, of one Wade Wilson uh, in this episode, I would say. I uh, want to ensure that everybody enjoys the podcast and able to listen to it, and we don't step over the boundaries of what might, could, what might possibly be an X-rated podcast as opposed to an R-rated podcast, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, and I think with that, uh, remember, you can always find us... Um, on defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. Also, it's Defenders TV Podcast and on any other good podcast catcher set. <laughs> <laughs>
Brilliant. Uh, so, for those of you out there that haven't seen Deadpool, you probably want to leave now. This is going to be spoiler-filled. We know at least one of our members of our group over on Defenders TV Podcast on Facebook unfortunately cannot see Deadpool because it's not been released in his country. So, uh, to you, David, uh, this is dedicated to you. It will be spoiler-filled. We'll try and go through as much of the film as we possibly can. So, if you never get to see it, uh, hopefully our podcast will uh, will show you what's interesting and what's exciting about the uh, about the movie. And for you guys who actually are just tuning into us for this very first episode, we just want to tell you a bit about how this works. Pretty much, it's a simple premise. Each and every episode, each of us will take our five top points of an episode of the film in this case, and we'll go through it. Unfortunately, because we love a lot of the same things, they, they may be overlap, but we'll call it out. But either way, you'll end up with a good few nice nuggets of information. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, should we kick off? Absolutely. Uh, So I'll start off where I usually do with the writers and directors of the movie. Uh, The movie Deadpool was written by the real heroes. Uh, who are Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Uh, they wrote Zombieland as well. Cool. Uh, which is one of my favourite films of all time. I absolutely love, love Zombieland, and they definitely brought a lot of that kind of sensibility and, and humour to this film. Really enjoyed it. Uh, this movie was directed by Tim Miller of absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, he's, he was in charge of the studio that brought you uh, the special effects for Scott uh, Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, and this was his first directorial debut, really. He's done a couple of short films, but this is his first big feature film. Uh, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us? I will. Here's the synopsis for Deadpool. A former Special Forces operative turned mercenary, Wade Wilson, meets the love of his life, Vanessa, a stripper with a heart of gold. As they repeatedly hit it off, their newfound sexy love is hit by the tragic news of Wade's terminal illness. As he desperately seeks a way to cure his cancer, to be with Vanessa, he is offered a way out by a recruiter, which he accepts. At an unnamed facility, he is subjected to a rogue experiment by the mutant Ajax that leaves him scarred and disfigured, but with accelerated healing powers. On his escape, Wade adopts his alter ego, Deadpool, and sets upon revenge against Ajax, all in the name of love. I thought you were going to end with stop in the name of love there. In the Got name me singing. of love, before you break my... Sorry, I had to... No, I was trying to think of the Wham song, actually, that kept playing. Guilty, I've got no reason. Never Gonna Dance Again? Yeah. Is that the name of the song? I, I think never so. Tell that. Never is that the one that. in the film? I think It so. is the one in the film, definitely, but I cannot remember the name of the song. It's, a di- it's not Different Corner. It's one of uh, one of George Michael's first singles, really, yeah. with Wham. So, uh, yes. Anyway, um, what did you think, guys? What, how, how, will we, how will we start this off? Overall, Chris, we mentioned on our last podcast... We have no idea of your thoughts of the film, as we'd call you our Deadpool fan. You've been uh, looking forward to this film ever since it was announced and told us to put it on the schedule. We were definitely going to be watching it, recording about it. Uh, do you want to tell us what you thought overall of the film? Okay, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use big words so that we do, I don't get slapped with a, a warning for or raising this. But um, so <laughs> the atrocity that was Wolverine X Men's origins where they mm-hmm. take the murk at the mouth and they actually sewed it shut. Uh-huh. It was just an abomination. I'm not, I'm putting it like it, Wolverine X-Men's Origins has some, some redeeming qualities, but overall it was mm-hmm. meh. I think most people would agree with me. Um, oh, absolutely. It took away everything that was Deadpool 
aside from the snide Wade Wilson slash Ryan Reynolds at the beginning, the, the quirkiness, that kind of thing, that was the fun part. And then, yes, it was one of the best things about the film, and then they said, "Yes, exactly," <laughs> and it was just so weird. But like, okay, they could have eviscerated him, incinerated him, decapitated him, but Deadpool will always keep on coming, as we saw with this film. Mm-hmm. Cut off his hand. Um, it was brilliant. <laughs> it was just. I am so glad that um, I believe it was Ryan Reynolds' grandmother may have leaked the uh, the, the trailer, as he said. <laughs> or also, there, there's many many theories. Could be Tim Miller. It could be anyone. But from the moment I saw that, I don't know what, what do we call it? B-roll footage, test footage, test, test footage, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As soon as I saw it, they they had distilled what was Deadpool fourth wall breaking, mm-hmm. stupid. Wacky humor, over the top gore, um, I mean, probably over the top is the wrong word. Yes, this film has some flaws, but mm-hmm. in a world where we've been getting nothing but superhero orig- origins nonstop and very PG 13 superheroes, this is just a complete step away. This was the Absolutely. Marvel Max Definitely. film we always wanted as kids growing up when we read Marvel Max. Okay, Jessica Jones has the deep, gritty film noir Max side. Daredevil mm-hmm. is the more action-packed, deep, depressing side. This is the humorous, yep. uh, violent, over-the-top action. Ma- knows it's a comic book film and doesn't care. Um, mm-hmm. Big time, yeah. And they took okay, they took the risk where they have a leading man who is full of charisma and he owns that role, and they added in some new people um, like that. I don't know. We'll call it the moody teen and the British villain. Uh, <laughs> but they, they, while not all of them hit, the culmination is just brilliant. I honestly think this, yeah. this for me is, I hate to say it, is probably the beginning of a new type of superhero film that we'll get now. It's the old, like as soon as we're recording this a few weeks in and Mm -hmm. ever since it's come out, I think every weekend since it's released, Deadpool has um, beaten the box office. Everyone Mm -hmm. is fully aware of now what this is. This is, you can have fornication. You can have swearing. You can put humor and violence into a film, a comic book superhero film, and everyone over 18 who ever grew up with a comic will love it. And anyone who hasn't will be introduced. Um, I know, and I get over the top with this, but it's brilliant. <laughs> it was. It was such, it was well written. It was amazingly put together. I absolutely agree. I, I, I completely agree. Like, for me, this was not for all the family absolutely. and... Uh, thank God for that. It's like for for once there there's a, a movie being put out that doesn't always have to consider um, the bottom line, which normally is children. And I, it's not that I'm having a go, obviously, the, at family entertainment, mm. but there is so much of that. And we so many yeah. films are tailored to getting it in under an R rating that for a movie to essentially stick its head above the parapet and go, we're an R rated movie, we're, we're out and proud about that. We're going to have swearing. We're going to have sexy butt cheeks uh, in a blanket. We're going to have um, just 
uber violence, mm-hmm. um, well written. You know, a really nice kind of um, when I say a messy structure, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean the fact that it, it moved from one place to another. It came back on itself. It was really just engaging all the way through, uh, and like. You've heard now Batman v Superman saying they're going to do an R-rated cut. You've got Wolverine um, saying that their next film will be R-rated. You know, as you say, Chris, hopefully this is the the start where we get some R-rated movies. I think of some of my favourite movies of all time, Silence of the Lambs, Alien, you know, are all R-rated movies. And now you'd only get them if they're horror. Um, Like, and... This is a really great example, I think, of an R-rated movie coming, like, face first, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. And I I, I really like this. I That's liked it. it for what it was and what it gave me, which was just laughs aplenty, um, gore, um, and uh, some things I just will never forget. <laughs> two, two in particular, actually. It should definitely be pointed out, before we go into our actual points about the movie, it should definitely be pointed out that an R rating in the US is slightly different to an R rating in the UK and Ireland. And in the UK and Ireland, this is actually a 16s film. It's not a, it's not an over-18s film. So there is still some wiggle room there. There's definitely some things that they didn't show in the film. Not It's it's actually good they didn't show everything in the film. It's not necessary. Um, but they did stray away. They're still... This still isn't an X-rated movie in the US. This still isn't a, a an over-18s only film. It's hit the target market perfectly. It's hit uh, teenage boys and up all the way to our age group, effectively. And it's paid huge dividends. As we record this, we're uh, two weeks after release of the movie. It's um, made $600 million. It's now the third highest rated, highest uh, performing or rated film of all time. Um just right, I believe right now it's just behind Man of Steel, um, about to overtake it this weekend. Um, and after that, I think after that, I think it's the Passion of the Christ, which basically is impossible to beat um, at this yeah. stage for a movie that was, that cost fifty eight million dollars. It's done a pretty good job. Uh, I'm delighted that we've got this type of film uh, to see. Wasn't a huge fan of of Deadpool as a character when I've read him over the years, uh, and I'm really happy that they've created a character <gasps> I can. I can hook myself onto and watch uh, in the cinema. Really, really enjoyed. Uh, Restrain yourself, Chris. Yeah, Restrain yourself. Chris yeah. has tried very hard over the many, many years that I've known him to get me to like the Deadpool character, and I really haven't enjoyed the actual Deadpool books. I've, li- I've liked some of the bits and pieces over time, but <gasps> I'm not here as the fan. Chris is here as the <laughs> fan. And as the fan, Chris, do you want to give us your first point about Deadpool 2016? Okay, before I do, I'm going to say I gave you Daniel Way's books, the best Deadpool books ever, and you still went, eh, it's all right. So, okay, Deadpool is for some people <laughs> and not for others, and I fully agree. True. But just circling back before I get to my first point is, I have some worries since the news of this coming out that um, they said they'll do an R-rated version of Batman v Superman, that Logan, okay. uh, that Wolverine 3 is now going to be based on Logan, and that's going to be R-rated. I think... Uh, I don't know who said it. Ooh, a, a really well-known director. I can't think of the life of me. I know. It's James that was Gunn. it. James Gunn came out and director of Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy. He came out with this really poetic piece, which is like, "Don't make an R-rated film for the sake of making an R-rated film. Stay, mm-hmm. stay to the source material. Exactly. Batman v Superman should not be R-rated. Frank, well, okay, looking at Frank Miller's stuff, it could be, but like, does it have to be? 
Absolutely true. Now, I will I will point out, because I know one of our listeners has pointed this out to me on Facebook, uh, the rating for Batman v Superman, Donald Justice on Blu-ray uh, was uh, submitted about six months ago, uh, that they were going to put out an R-rated cut on Blu-ray, um, but they are definitely right in the wave of publicity for Deadpool's R-rated cut to get a lot of promotion about the fact that they will be coming out with an R-rated cut on Blu-ray. I don't think it's the right choice either. I want to see my Batman and Superman uh, with everybody in the audience um enjoying it i want to have it as a they're very broad characters they appeal to a much wider audience um, and i think it's a, it's a bit of a mistake to do an r-rated cut of that type i'm gonna watch it of course i'm an adult of course i want to watch the adult version of it but i don't know what they're going to throw in there that will be make it so different to the uh, rated cut we're going to see in the cinema okay I completely agree with james gunn you should make the film that you're going to make and whether that's an r-rated whether it's then I am 18, say, over here rather than 16, which mm-hmm. is the equivalent to R-rated, or whether it's a PG or a PG-12 or, or whatever it might be, absolutely agree. But for so long, movies have been purred back mm-hmm. to fit a PG rating. Yeah. What I'm saying here is that the, the filmmaker intended to make an R-rated movie and stuck to his guns and, and, and made an R-rated movie. Absolutely. Um, and I presume that it's only come out, um, it's either just savvy marketing, which Infernus Deadpool has had, mm-hmm. um, or it's the fact that maybe, just maybe, um, Fox in this instance still wanted to pair it back to, to have a rating that was um, not R. So... For too long, we've had movies coming out which could have done with a bit more of an adult treatment of even just showing blood. I mean, what I'm saying is this doesn't have to be sex-crazed violence um, against whatever. It's... It's that it fits the character, it fits the story, and and it fits everything. And for a, a lot of instances, mainstream has not necessarily been deemed to be um, R-rated uh, mm-hmm. um, or PG-16 or, or 16 over here. It, it's had to be a 12. It's had to be a 15. Yeah. And, and so that's, I think, all I'm saying. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And just one... So I, I agree with I agree with what Chris is saying, yeah. but I do think that we've had the reverse of this, and I agree with James Gorn in in terms of the principle, but we have had it the reverse. Oh, absolutely! And I will make one final note on on this album before we do crack on to what is a very funny film. So let's not take it down too serious a yeah, route. I know, um, but Sex. one of the elements that uh, that is very clear from the budget that's afforded to this film is that Fox were kind of saying, if you want your R-rated film, you make it on the smallest budget possible because we're not sinking a huge amount of money into it. They paired it back by about eight million, I think, in the last couple of months before yeah. the film actually came out. So the makers of the film had to cut out elements that they wanted to put in just to make this uh, the best possible movie they could make on the money on the budget that they had so i think the fox guys now have all the money uh, they are going to be uh, allowing them to do a lot more with the sequel but uh, they've proved that they're able to do it uh, they did a good story and, and and were able to do it so really good so let's crack on to our top five guys what do you think sounds good to me yeah oh, absolutely okay cool chris do you want to kick us off to the sex violence every time you say that he's going to cut you you know it Yes, mummy, Derek. With a knife, if he doesn't <laughs> stop. I'm joking. <laughs> and don't be explicit on the podcast. Okay, so I'm going to kick things off. I want to talk. It's very quick, and it actually happens within about two to three minutes. Um, but the opening credits of this film, brilliant. Mm-hmm. 
I could not be happier. Um, they just, I suppose the best way of putting it was they poked fun at and ripped the piss out of every well-known superhero film ever. I like yes. a British villain, a moody team, a fully CGI character, a gratuitous cameo, <laughs> like directed by an overpaid tool. Like, uh-huh. it was just like, <laughs> and then cool. the, the part where you see, um, like the Green Lantern wallet floating through the air, mm-hmm. you saw, um, <laughs> uh, what was it, Ryan Reynolds' Sexiest Man Alive on the People's Magazine. Um, they yep. really knew how to, who they were writing for. Like, mo- I, it took me a second because I didn't actually see the first one. Like, it mm-hmm. just, cause people started laughing. I was watching the action and then it was only that people started laughing. I was like, what the hell? Am- oh, um. <laughs> like it was fantastic in itself. Even the slow motion, uh, fight sequence that's going on, the, the slow movement or the 360 degree yeah. fight sequence that's going on in the car. Absolutely. And you're trying to pick out what it is you're supposed to be looking at during the scene. And yeah, uh, as you say, exactly the same in, in our cinema. Uh, you could start hearing the ripples of laughter through the audience as they started to notice little things in there. Um, yeah, once you start picking them up, really great idea to just pick up on the tropes of, uh, of comic book movies. And they were right. They are all of the tropes of comic book yeah. movies. Twisted yeah, on their head. and I think that was just these guys. Uh, who, again, it was uh, Rhett and Paul, the two writers, mm-hmm. Rhett and Paul uh, Wernick. Like they, they knew exactly what they were doing. Like for me, this was take about gent. This was my God, you have done the perfect thing. In that, I was just expecting the usual kind of Ryan Reynolds, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah. I was mm-hmm. expecting that, and then so I just I now automatically phase out my like kind of my attention at these because I was taking in the fight scene and it was brilliant starting yeah. on the bridge just like with the the rocking back and forth and kicking the heels and everything it was mm-hmm. all done in such a way that it was like okay now I understand like this how do you say this set the ball rolling for the whole film like yeah absolutely and I do love the fact that they gave themselves the title of the real heroes of the movie yeah. <laughs> the, the writers of it gave themselves that title yeah. so uh, so they knew exactly what they were doing and like you think back to Zombieland with the double tap and all of that that happens in the opening sort of sequence of, of the movie mm-hmm. then it, it's a really nice way of of just introducing the movie it's, it's really good yeah and yeah. I think that's absolutely. exactly what it did it set up the tone it set up the the humor. It set up the action, and it and then it kind of did. How do you say? It, it pulled me back to Zombieland with the writing. The kind of straight away it started breaking that fourth wall, which you do not do in films at the moment. Um, yeah, 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 and that was just. I I know it's such a silly little thing, but for me that was just. It set it up so well for me. It, it was just like okay, now I, because it it was true. I was so psyched for this film. From the beginning, mm-hmm. from when it was leaked to when they announced it, fully green lit, to the marketing, the upcoming promos, like everything about this film coming coming up to it, I was like, "Oh God, they're building this up too much." I was so afraid yeah. of that. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, they're gonna, this is going to be all right." That's it. But then mm-hmm. they got it to a point where, when I started the the opening credits rolled, I was like, "Nope." Nope, I'm happy. Yep, they they got they were all good. good. Yeah. They got the tone, and I think that's the big thing about like um, as I mentioned the Daniel Way comic books. The whole thing about these is that they take a lot of the comic book here, the Marvel comic book universe, are take themselves too seriously, or mm-hmm. are too 
wacky. In other words, like so you have these huge spectrums. So you have the 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 racism that is the X Men part, the Avengers, which are always saving the planet, the craziness that is Squirrel Girl, mm-hmm. and then in this far little sh- corner you have this act, this kind of comic book. Uh, which I call it, there, it's almost his own verse because in one amazing graphic novel, Deadpool kills the whole Marvel universe, by the way. Which, mm-hmm. uh, anyone who wants to should go read that as their opening. It's fantastic. The Daniel Way run is absolutely amazing. It's fantastic writing and everything, and it's fun. But I think that was the thing. Deadpool, the whole kind of genre of it, always knew what it was. It was a comic book. It took the it saw what the fun part was of it was and wasn't afraid to kind of poke fun at itself. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's how I, this translated for me. The opening credits were like, okay, we could just do the normal. So actually, no, let's poke fun at our stars. Let's like Ryan Reynolds was a, the producer on this. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. for me, like he went, okay, so I have no doubt that his, he worked with the writers on this to go, okay, any chance we can, let's rip fun at these types of things. Let's rip fun of Hugh Jackman. Let's rip fun at Marvel. Let's rip fun at DC. Um, and then apparently he said there's, now I, I've yet to see it. Apparently there's over a hundred Easter eggs slash, uh, pop culture reference in this whole film. <laughs> It's your Nirvana. I know, I'm like, I know. I think I know about 45 of them so far. I'm like, okay, this is, I'm just going to be sitting watching this consistently when it comes out in Blu-ray. And I, look, I, I know it's quite a, a small point, but for me, that was just, they knew how to set up this film. That's really what I wanted to yeah. get to. Yeah, big time. It just set out its store really, really well. <clears throat> um, I will I will say that I was thinking coming up to this, is this going to be another Snakes on the Plane, a movie that you hear about all the time on Twitter and you hear about all the time on Facebook and all the time on social media and then nobody gets off their arse and goes to the cinema and watches it. And I was totally blown away by four days in going to the cinema and the entire place being completely full out. It was in five screens, I think, at the time, or four screens yeah. uh, that weekend, and every single screen was sold out. It's doing so well. I'm so happy that it's doing so well, but I was completely, genuinely shocked. I thought, we were onto a loser here. This is not going to be a film that will work out. So uh, I kind of see where the Fox executives were going, going, uh, uh-oh, we don't really want to have another Wolverine origins on our hands where we spent 300 million and get 150 back you know um but luckily it's right no, and i, I went on well. valentine's day i brought my other half with me and like i didn't even use the trick um marketing that they use which i'm hoping people get to go back and see that they they set up this uh deadpool love story um it's, uh, tr- not tr- it was a trailer and a image i believe no it wasn't a trailer it was just the image it was a poster the poster with true love that never dies. Yeah. And I was like, I took that. And again, we were in a packed cinema and I was looking around going, how many of these people actually were tricked to coming? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, uh, which leads me into my first point quite, uh, quite nicely. Also went on, uh, on Valentine's Day and there was just a fantastic moment. Um, on the bridge in the fight sequence, when Deadpool has uh, has skewered one of the people that he's uh, that he's looking at, he's got him held up in the air on a uh, on a, a sword, and he turns to the camera, breaking the fourth wall for the first time, and says, um, "and says to the girls of the audience, uh, my boyfriend said this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the red suit turned to that other guy into a kebab." Some of the best love stories start with a murder, he says. <laughs> and as it, it turned into a great moment in the audience as 
the ladies in front of me in the row right in front of me turned to their boyfriends and were going, you did tell me this was a superhero <laughs> film. Um, it was like as if it just it was all playing out so well. It's the best thing about watching a movie in the cinema that's, that you can tell the audience is reacting to and and um, and having a great time when they're interacting with a line of dialogue that's happening on screen. And I thought that was just a great moment. I'm sure it was placed for that very reason that it was coming out on Valentine's weekend and the type of audience you're going to get might not necessarily go and see this film without a bit of uh, persuasion, I suppose, from their partners. Uh, but I loved how it translated so well, breaking the fourth wall that way. No, absolutely. And I, I think, like, my first point, I suppose, I might as well pick one of mine, which really moves into this, um, the whole thing of of the love story. But, you know... Props to, to Ryan Reynolds. Um, he's not afraid to get his kiss off. And, and quite frankly, um, you know, it's two duck eggs in a blanket. Um, or should I say two duck eggs in a Christmas jumper with Marina Baccarin. Um, that was just a really good kind of scene there. Um, completely stole it for me because, I mean, they're just, it seemed like they were behaving just kind of normally. And then mm-hmm. it like, gets up and, and there are those two duck eggs walking off towards the loo. Just uh, as well, before we get the entire bombshell that, you know, l- life goes along and you keep getting the, the gut punches and then it's fine. And it's like, here comes the next gut punch and it's, he's got lung cancer. Yeah. So it's like, it just like breaks the spell of, of the happy times that him and Vanessa, uh, Wade Wilson and Vanessa are having. Um, but it, it's happy times with uh, duck eggs uh, in a Christmas jumper. Absolutely. One of my favourite scenes in the film. It's essentially uh, the, the sex holidays throughout the year. Um, it just has some great, great <laughs> exactly. moments. And, and they must have been thinking about these so long. Uh, I think the one everybody uh, had the biggest reaction to in our audience, I'm sure the same with yours, Chris, was uh, was National Women's Day. Um, <laughs> where, where Wade is bent over the bed. Uh, we'll say that. I think we can yeah, get rid of that one on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely good um, old strap on yeah Just straight through the duck eggs actually <laughs> okay no more beer for him well we can always release an r-rated uh <laughs> don't peg it back derek don't peg it back for a, a pg audience very true. <laughs> <laughs> nobody pulled my budget either it's good um <laughs> Yeah, I just, I loved this, this whole, these whole scenes all the way through the holidays throughout the year. I just thought it was a really good mecha- mechanic, just showing that their relationship has worked so well and how they're, how they're getting on. And then, as you say, the gut punch of, uh, of Wade's cancer coming in, which is a pretty serious storyline to take, uh, in the film. And I wasn't expecting it to go that deep or that serious. Um, but it is, uh, Ryan Reynolds humor that kind of keeps it going, keeps it from, becoming a, a really difficult scene he does have that great moment of humor where he says um i've only got uh, i've only got cancer in the liver lungs prostate and brain all the things i can live without <laughs> yeah. that was that was a good little touch from uh, from ryan reynolds yeah and look that, that kind of really segues into one of my points which is just ryan reynolds like mm-hmm. he is the sole reason one of, he is one of the main reasons for me that this film works like actually, before this, and to, speaking about duck eggs, fun fact: the Deadpool <laughs> costume actually had muscle layer underneath it originally. That when they were filming it, uh, and they had to take it out and refilm because he was too muscular. Yeah, the really? costume was too tight for <laughs> okay. him. And he couldn't. It made him look overly large, and he couldn't move with the same flexibility and everything. So there you go. Fun fact: Ryan Reynolds is too muscular for over muscle. Over muscle like suits. <laughs> Take that, Henry Cavill. He just 
Absolutely. Wow, he just has amazing. he just has the Marvel abs naturally. Apparently, it's quite interesting with Ryan Reynolds that he uh, that when he did Deadpool the first time, it's over ten years ago. Um, when he played Deadpool in in Wolverine Origins, so he's been trying for this long to make the Deadpool film because even he knew that first one wasn't uh, wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, you know? and he um, calls heard, it out enough times. <laughs> absolutely, I did. I did hear recently that that uh, one of the reasons why it was so poor was that it was done during the uh, writer strike. The uh, the scriptwriter strike in America, um, and it was affected by it because they weren't allowed to rewrite any of the character, and Ryan Reynolds wasn't able to give any kind of input in it. It was basically you have to film what's on the script, what's in the script, and this movie has to hit its release date effectively. So uh, that's probably why it ended off so bad uh, <laughs> in the end that there wasn't uh, there wasn't the ability to write in these kind of lines, which they seem to be working on all the time. Yeah, There's something absolutely. going on all the time. So uh, yeah, but Ryan Reynolds is. He's the core of this film, isn't he? I think there isn't Absolutely. a scene without him in it, is there? And everyone works well around him. You know, Marina Baccarin, um, TJ Miller, Ed Skerrin, uh, all the others, you know, really just work in and nicely ar- around him um, and, and really support him well. Yeah, and I, yeah, it was just the fact that even though they, sp- the way that you know he was the right actor for this gig is that he spends, what, a majority of the film under. Heavy prosthetics and a full body costume, mm-hmm. one or the other, and it's yep. still him. It's still he comes yep. across and still owns it. Uh, it's brought to life by him. And the only thing I noticed that then it took me a while that they did do some CGI, subtle CGI on the mask. The eyes, uh, every now and again, they made it shift and the kind of tw- winks and stuff like that. Um, it was just brilliant. I love that touch. It really made it fa- feel like Looney yeah. Tunes occasionally, like really adult Looney Tunes yeah, when yeah. when as the the white eyes start moving on their own and get their own character almost to the to the mask. It's not as simple as just pulling it over his face. He's got that nice bit of animation in there. Really, really good. Definitely, definitely was uh, was expecting it to pop out on stalks at some point <laughs> during the film. Um, <laughs> and then I think the, I think it's because he doesn't shut up. In my point, it, yes, it's not. not one. It's just well, like he's no. always talking. He's like one liners, put downs, um, like when he meets um TJ Miller for the first time in the book, mm-hmm. well, obviously not for the first time, to the part where he's one of the fa- my favorite scenes was the bit the very beginning when we first meet Wade when he is still Wade and he's going after the pizza guy. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and it was brilliant. It was just so well put together. It just showed him he's like you I think he was going after the guy and he goes, like, he's going after the pawn or the prop first. And he's like, I'm going to kill you. Actually, no, I'm here for him. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. so good. Um, <laughs> that was a great idea. It was just, I think, and I think it just shows, like, he was able to do that. And then as you talked about, the, the, the seasons of fornication, let's call it that. Um, <laughs> it showed every part of him. And then even when the cancer hits him, it was just, for me, Ryan, like, this is why I right now love Ryan Reynolds. I think possibly more than my girlfriend. I have a full on man crush. <laughs> I am like, he has abs stuff. Like, he has the Marvel abs. I Absolutely. want to go drinking with him now. Because I think, like, <laughs> I think he'd probably keep the Wade Wil- like, I, I think Wade Wilson is him, his kind of natural state. Cause I was watching him on, I think it was a, uh, Jimmy Fallon or something like that. One of the interviews there, right? And he's the exact same. He has totally embodied the character without a doubt. There, there's stories yeah, of him during time. the um during the lead up to this where he he did take home one of the Deadpool yes. costumes uh, himself <laughs> because 
he spent 10 years making this thing he's going to take one um, but he did put it on at Halloween and went out and started uh, taking kids candy over uh, that were trick or treating uh, in the US <laughs> and started recording little videos with them which he eventually put up on YouTube have a, have a look um, but yeah really funny that he's just this is his version of promotion is I, I am him I'll put on the, the suit and I, I, I'm him you know uh, really, he didn't really take good. it home he, I think the way he said it is, is I think he goes on and says um, well I was going to ask them then I decided not to because they might say no <laughs> so he stole <laughs> exactly. he, he stole it and then he admitted to it and they're all like well yeah I suppose like there's only five I think, of them I think the pro- they probably will make a very special one in gold mm-hmm. for him <laughs> after this, uh, after the, the amount of money he's brought in. This is definitely Ryan Reynolds' most successful film now. Clearly, like, it's, it's yeah, it blowing be. everything out of the water uh, that he's done in the past. So, what? You, um, he's really are you only... telling me this is more successful than Green Lantern? <laughs> yes, there's not. I don't even have to look up the figures on that one. That that film bombed miserably, <laughs> uh, and everything else that he's been in, that he's kind of been a background part. So yeah, yeah. wait, yeah. Van Wilder. I'm so glad we've. Yeah, no, yeah, uh, Van Wilder. Yeah, I, I think that bombed uh, too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm going to crack out my next point and uh, and take us on. Um, my next point is the structure of the film. Uh, the, the simple fact that we don't start off with an origin story. We start off with a huge fight sequence on the bridge, which I believe is taken from the, uh, the leaked footage, um, just recreated for the film. Uh, I absolutely love this concept that eventually, I think we're an hour into the film before that bridge sequence is actually finished. Um, it's, it starts out, they do the flashbacks, they do more flashbacks, and then some other flashbacks inside the flashbacks, and then eventually he's back on the bridge again with, uh, with two other characters that I'm not gonna name just yet, cause I know it's on somebody else's point. Um, but I really love this structure, cause it, it feels like, uh, even though it's a very small, um, it's a very small period of time that's passing, it feels like it's covering a huge amount, um, and really well. It gets you in the mood for a good romp and a good, a good fun film. It, it shows you the violence. It shows you the most amazing sequence, uh, with where we have the countdown of the bullets oh, on the so bridge. Good. Um, oh, that was excellent. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And then taking it into the background of the character so you get to know a little bit more about him. Not a huge amount. So you don't actually learn a huge amount about Wade Wilson in here, but enough uh, that you understand where he came from, why he's here, and what he's doing. And then you get the final uh, the final uh, movement of the of the scene. I just thought the structure overall, really great choice. Um, something similar in some other films. Think, you know, stuff like Memento, you know, has used this kind of structure where you start off somewhere in the middle you go back to the start and then you head on to the end from that middle point um it's a really good idea really absolutely really i mean like like then to like the freeway battle which is one of my points mm-hmm. as, as well i suppose um the whole slow-mo scheme where uh, deadpool is fighting in, in in the car um and you have the the cigarette oh, lighter yes. i mean oh my god the thought of that being uh, you know, uh, a red hot cigarette lighter going into the mouth. Oh, oh. Um, but just like <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's just like it, it's also it's the guy like being dragged by the car. It's the guy that's hanging out the window as the car rolls, and you're just like, going, oh my god, this is brutal. Uh, uh, even just the guy sliding off the road sign later on, where when the two X Men, um, mutant X Men, are there. I love that. You know. He was already here. Mm-hmm. That's not my fault. Um, <laughs> you know, as he, he f- slides off from, from, um, the road sign. And of course, like for me, um, Colossus cuffing Deadpool, 
um, and just him like hitting Colossus, like breaking both wrists, breaking his ankle, um, <laughs> and, and then just that tiny hand. I was like, oh my god! It just creeped me out. It reminded me of Jeremy Beadle, oh, no. um, and it was just like then the whole wanking joke as oh. well. It was just like, well, it, it feels bigger in that. It's just like. Um, <laughs> It was just like, oh my god, this so is like... many masturbation jokes. Oh, in this <laughs> exactly, it was just fantastic. But yeah, I just then couldn't get Jeremy Beadle out of my head. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Jeremy Beadle is, he was a a TV presenter uh, on ITV in the UK, uh, and he just had a very small hand. One of his hands was normal, the other very small. Um, and just as uh, Deadpool's hand is growing back there and he's in his apartment with, uh, is it Blind Al? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the little nuggety hand I just couldn't get off. It's an actual baby hand, isn't it? Oh, it was yeah. just like, oh just so my gosh. Um, it was just so disturbing. <laughs> definitely. The many disturbing moments in this film, but that was definitely, I think, the one that creeped me out most. <laughs> Chris, do you want to give us your next point? Uh, Okie dokie. I'm going to do my next one, uh, which is particularly just one scene, which for me, just uh, apparently there's 18 minutes worth of uh, of it sitting on the cutting room floor. Uh, It's the scene with TJ Miller and Ryan Reynolds when uh, Will Wilson and Weasel come back together and they're coming up with the name Deadpool, etc., etc. And uh, Wade takes down his hoodie and I believe it's something along of fornication (laughs) with two avocados. Um, it did make me remind me of our avocados at law. Um, I was like, that's what, that will happen if Matt Murdock and Foggy have a baby. Deadpool! Oh, my uh, God. People, please make a meme of that and put it on our Facebook page. Um, nice. But that scene, apparently there's 18 minutes worth of them, those two just literally riffing off each other. Uh, and that's going to be part of the, the, the actual Blu-ray. But for me, that just, I love TJ Miller as a comedian anyway. He's my type of humor. Right. It's very crass. It's not afraid to swear, but it does it in such a humorous way. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. This was just like the, the avocados bit was the icing on the cake, but it just kept going on. And I was like, Oh, oh, they're going to, they're going to do another. Oh, it stopped. Damn it. But like, <laughs> I believe it was IGN who released a piece where it was just the two of them doing a, um, they, them saying pieces that were not that were cut from the film, and then they went really? on and like they oh my god it would have been hilarious. I could have seen myself if they had got like if they had done half of that, I would have been hurting rolling around the floor. Um, <laughs> I think this in a larger bit is the comedic elements of this film were just spot on. Like it never took itself too seriously. Even the marketing where he's lying on a rug, where I remember even one of the first spots where Ryan Reynolds and the guy who plays AC Slater in Saved by the Bell. Mario Lopez. When Mario Lopez was like interviewing. Why do I remember I'm even that? more worried about that, but let's not talk about that for the moment. <laughs> um, well, he was the best looking one. Yeah, let's not remember that Squeak's now in jail. Just saying that. He, he's the only one that's still got a, a career. Yeah, he's... <laughs> In jail? Screech? Oh no, Mario no, Lopez. Mario Lopez. <laughs> but the, the bit was with Ryan Reynolds. Mario Lopez was interviewing Ryan Reynolds and then Deadpool comes in and beats him to death. 
and then he's ransoming him. It was just everything about this film and the, the community humor to the marketing was just spot on. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just perfectly summed up in that scene where the two of them were just riffing and improvising. And that was apparently that's yeah. they didn't script it. It just went, okay, for the next like 20 minutes, we're just going to have the camera rolling and you two talk and like say what you look like. And that was it. Yeah. And I was just like, the, for me, it was just, I don't know, it could be because I'm a Daredevil fan, but because the avocados, I was just like, that was brilliant. Tear, <laughs> tear. Excellent. Excellent. I'd say for me, the humor probably did work. It did work really well. Uh, it was probably about one in every three jokes hit, but at the rate the jokes were going, I think I was laughing the entire movie. So you were, if you were catching every single joke and laughing at every single one of them, you'd be weeing yourself pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just constant. Like the rapid fire pace of Ryan Reynolds' uh, delivery particularly, oh, and then time. with TJ Miller, and as well with Miranda Bacar, and I can't, I can't give enough credit for Raina Bakar and when she's on the screen she really does keep the pitter patter up with uh, with Ryan Reynolds and is written really well and is able to do that part like we watch her in Gotham every week for our Gotham TV podcast and she's got a really good pitter patter with uh, Ben McKenzie they've got a good uh, rapport between the two of them but she's able to keep up with the best of them and really another great Marina Bakar uh, role here uh, she is totally uh totally and the nerd princess isn't she she's been in everything from firefly to gotham and now and now in deadpool as well she's one of the only actresses who crossed over so she's now in marvel but she was um she's gideon in the cw universe uh that's right computer she's uh talia al ghul in the animated batman universe in Mm -hmm. batman blood and oh one of the other ones the one with uh, Robin, Batman and Robin, and then one of the first ones. Um, and then... And then also yes, Gotham. Obviously Gotham. Yeah. But now she's gone over to the Marvel Universe. Um, so, yes, yeah, she is the nerd... Nerdvana, if you want to call it that. She <laughs> she, she was Absolutely. in our one of our favourite ever shows that was cancelled. Praise be the Firefly. Oh, Brown Coats Unite. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I think, and you're right, she was just brilliant. Sorry, I interrupted there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't not talk about Marina Bakari. She's absolutely brilliant. Really, really good. I'm going to crack on with my next point, which is the meeting of Wade Wilson and Vanessa. Uh, it's just, I don't know why it stood out to me. Um, it's essentially as they're comparing their emotional oh. scarring uh, uh, as, a, as children. Yeah. The reason it stood, stood out to me, I'm a huge Monty Python fan, and the one particular sketch that always stood out to me from Monty Python was a sketch called The Four Yorkshiremen where they compare how horrible their day was when they were children. Um, and this particular scene, as they compare the emotional scarring, and it's getting worse and worse. And it also kind of reminded me of Lethal Weapon, where they're comparing the scars in, uh, uh, to each other in, in that film as well. But it really stood out to me that they've got this kind of really good rapport with each other. They're trying to one-up each other with the most horrible stories that if in any other film would form, you know, would, would form the villain effectively. You know, they're essentially saying they've been uh, been abused since childhood but using it to say which one of us is worse than the other you know yeah. uh, thought it was fantastically put together really good scene that's one of one of uh, a big standout moment for me definitely yeah no that was cool I mean I, I just loved their relationship mm-hmm. uh, full stop um, it was just it was cool that was another element to you know their pitter patter whilst they're in bed together mm-hmm. to you know the final battle scene aboard. Um, I believe a shield helicarrier. Ooh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> or was it? Um, so 
it was really, really good. It looked like one to me, if it I'm did. honest. Um, <laughs> but obviously, they probably can't call it a, a heli carrier. hundred percent they can't because they asked Marvel, could they possibly use it? And Marvel yep. said no. So well, it doesn't matter. It's a shield heli carrier. They changed it just about enough to be. Yeah. It's uh, a shield look like one, but not be a shield heli carrier. This is the crazy <laughs> thing about rights, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of like there's there's rights for like stuff that is important, and then there's like. It's a shield helicarrier. Everyone knows it is that. Oh, it's like the Xavier School. They they didn't yeah. fully fully call it that. No, they just said it was the school for the gifted. I loved how they handled that as well. <laughs> I have to say, just the the X Men, or should I say, the lack of the X Men, oh. where he kind of wanders in and he goes, "Where is everyone?" And it's kind of just like it's just Colossus and uh, was it Negasonic? Oh, Warhead. Warhead. Like, I love just how they handled that. I thought it was really sort of cool. Yeah, I do love how they handle that, where effectively Wade Wilson goes, uh, why am I only seeing two of you X-Men every time I come to this gigantic mansion <laughs> all the time? And they go, uh, uh, no reason. And he goes, is it because of budget? It's because of budget to the camera. <laughs> you know, really good. Uh, also, a great call out in the car trip over to the uh, over to the mansion when he says, I wonder, am I going to see Patrick Stewart or am I going to see uh, McAvoy this time when I go to the mansion? <laughs> uh, nice little call out. That there. would have been... So awesome. I must say, when he said that, I just suddenly, I think a little bit of pee formed uh, in my pants, and I did kind of go, I do want Patrick Stewart to be there. On that note, John, do you want to give us your point? Yeah, my um, seventh point, I think, at this point. (laughs) Um, It's uh, definitely Stan Lee's cameo. Um, Yes, of course. In a strip bar, I'm surprised his heart didn't give out, um, quite frankly. But, you know, is this the greatest Stanley cameo? For me, it's certainly the riskiest. And, you know, I think he enjoyed himself looking at that. And I was kind of like, well, fur dues. It certainly beats a, a photo above um, a cop desk in, in <laughs> Daredevil, I would say, for, for, for Stanley. However much I did and do like that, you know, uh, this, I think, you know, bring on the dancing girls for Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great little uh, touch to have him doing something that is not expected. Like really, really cool. Yeah, if you if you told me the one place that Stan Lee was going to be <laughs> in this film was in a strip bar where women were walking around topless, uh, I, I I would have been quite surprised. Um, yeah, it exactly. works, works really well. Works really well, definitely. Uh, and he's saying the thing, the kind of things you would hear in a strip club. Completely agree. Um, I was actually was going to be one of my kind of slight points. I think he seemed to enjoy it. I, I think mm-hmm. this is probably the, the most fun. Was he? He's ninety six, ninety seven now. Ninety six. Yeah. 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 Um, he, obviously, I was more afraid of his ticker now. I'm kind of going, I think he needs to go back to the Disney Marvel <laughs> because at least there they're not going to have like half naked women prancing around in front of him. Come on. Although he did play Hugh Hefner in one of the films and he was uh, being escorted by two very buxom ladies in uh, in his Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cameo. So he does have a history of this type of yeah, character uh, being surrounded <gasps> by women. Oh, my so. God. Imagine he was the one thing that threaded through all of the films. So he was one character. Oh, oh, there's, there is a theory. What? Go on, go on. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a theory that he was cloned, and these are all the clones that we're seeing over the course of all the rest of the films, <laughs> which I love. I just think that's a really fun It's a life theory, decoy model. Essentially, a life, life model decoy. Yeah, that he's, that he's, decoy, he's been cloned right. and he's been shared around the universe. There's hundreds of these of this one man uh, that I'm wondering if at some point somebody will take the step and just have the joke of putting all of them side by side. I think it would be great fun. Oh, my God, that there would just go. be amazing. There's the theory. Oh, that'd be fantastic. 
Chris, do you want to give us your next point? I'm going to go on far be it from me not to do my usual. Uh, I want to talk about the downs of this film. Now, we've already talked about how much we love this film, and I do. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting it out there. I love every element of this film. There was some of it that just... I think it was probably budget restrictions, timing mm-hmm. restrictions. Uh, we know they had to do about... As you think, as you said, Fox kind of pulled away seven million from them at the midway through, and had sure. to do a lot of rewriting. Um, so I think that's more where this comes from. Um, but I, I think okay, when the first one, well, there's only two real points that I'm a bit like meh. It was more meh. I'm not going to say down or e. Okay, her, it's meh. Ajax <laughs> okay. slash Francis. All right, Ed Screen. He kind of for me failed to become that truly threatening, really memorable character. Um, mm. since he was given so little time. Um, I think it was more like, okay, we have this very, a lot of haziness around the project he was working on. So we're just kind of very much led to, like, all we're given really is that he's kind of selling super slaves to wealthy individuals, wicked individuals. Yeah. There's no yeah. kind of story <laughs> behind that. And I, I, what I'd like to know was, was this either going to be explained in the, deleted scenes uh, because we know this film isn't your typical two hour film it's an hour and a half or a a bit of change like is this the cut it out or is it maybe that it was written out like we don't get to know particularly why the stakes are so high Mm -hmm. we just he feels little more than a stooge kind of in this part uh, what we do know is that uh, Taskmaster was originally going to be in this and then was written out. Uh, I think that was because of... That wasn't more budget. I think that was to do rights a bit. Yeah. But I, I think where, what we would have found was Ajax would have probably been reporting into a, a Taskmaster-type guy. And at the end, right. they just made Francis the main guy. Um, and then Gina Carano's Angel Dust. Mm-hmm. Pretty much there just to hit things. It was fantastic. Pretty much. It was like, but I would love to know more. We didn't know more about her. Yeah, the villain, the villain stuff. I know we've watched a lot of Marvel uh, TV, obviously for our podcast. We haven't watched a huge amount of Marvel films. We just watched uh, Age of Ultron and um, and Ant Man. And two of the biggest problems I think all of us had with both of those films were the villains that were that were on show here. Kind of shows that Fox also are not able to do villains for the Marvel movies that they have. Um, yeah, I, I I have to agree with you. Um, I did like Ed Screen. There were some great scenes that he had. Oh yeah, but not a huge amount of detail behind him. And there's another. I will actually talk about one in a minute about about Angel Dust. Um, she had a couple of great scenes, and there's you know she's she is a she's a UFC fighter, isn't that right? Um, I believe the actress that plays it. Oh my god, I wouldn't yeah. like to go. Anywhere near a dark alley, which she was brilliant. I think she deserved the Oscar for her performance in this role. <laughs> Just in case I do meet her at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I I totally agree with you. I think the the villains did fall out of the way, but I think part of that has to be the fact that Ryan Reynolds is on screen at all times, and he can't be on screen when they're setting up the villains, basically. So you, they, he prob- they probably just cut the scenes that didn't have them in them. Probably, yeah. didn't have him in them. So uh, even they, even if they just cut them out of the script, uh, effectively, that may have yeah, cut I mean, it, it's time. literally, he's in every scene and every moment of this film. And so you're only looking at the bad guys um whilst he's there so yeah there, there is no real kind of um build up to these it's just he's the guy that's doing the experiments on on wade wilson yeah and, and that's pretty much it like 
Um, I, I definitely know what you mean there, Chris, but um, I did kind of quite like the pitter-patter, especially when he's in the um, oxygen deprivation tank. And that, that to me, was really pretty um, creepy, wasn't creepy it? and gruesome. And I really liked how Ed, Ed Screen, um, like how he reacted with, with Wade Wilson there. I thought that was like pretty uh, dark um, and obviously just the effect then of kind of the, the skin uh, like blistering and collapsing and all that was pretty gruesome as well. Um, so like I, I did think he had and played some some really nice parts uh, and again where he's stuck with the katana through the shoulder on the bridge um, and uh, you know obviously escaping but I definitely know what you mean. Um, it's it's whether the bad guys in, in Marvel stuff are you know that good in some cases or aren't just tropes. Well, um, I think or to, something, to spoil our coverage of uh, of Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones, if you haven't listened to that, pop on over to, to DefendersTVPodcast.com and have a listen to that coverage. But to spoil the coverage of both of those, what we've kind of realize that is that if marvel have a tv show where they where they're filling out a bunch of episodes they're able to concentrate on the villain a lot more and they're able to to deal with these and turn them into really good characters it seems like in the films they do really want to concentrate on the heroes they want to concentrate on those on that side of it and once the once the villain doesn't have any time to be built out they're, they're not as i don't know i don't i don't want to make this sound like a like a negative against dc but the DC villains are very quick to, to set up and they they do stand out really much bigger than a Marvel villains generally do. Um, I don't know whether it's because the DC films villains have been around for such a long time as well. Um, there's a lot of backstory with them. There doesn't seem to be as much backstory with the Marvel villains. They tend to be, you know, they go out and they do their um, their bad deed and then they're stopped quite quickly by the um, by the the hero or maybe it's just i don't know maybe i i think they do have a history it's just that they're not given that in the film and i think that in daredevil in jessica jones they've been given that that history whether in the case of the kingpin um they've really been allowed to uh, use the history that he has in the comic books uh, to its full potential mm. Or in the case of Kilgrave, the purple man, they've actually taken a, a, a bad guy who maybe wouldn't be people's first choice and have really fleshed out this creepy uh, individual based on, again, um, treatment of him in um, Alias. So, like, it, they've really done a great job there. And I think, obviously, film, it has to be much more focused. Yeah. And sometimes they're just not given um, maybe the treatment they deserve i mean like or you have someone like magneto who is you know everyone knows him you know or even doc ock say from uh spider-man that there's some of the characters where i, I thought they were treated fine mm. but you know with ant-man not everyone knows that story um and, and with um yellow jacket i i'm not really au fait with that character and and so as a result you know, his treatment in Ant-Man was a bit kind of like a uh, stereotypical bad guy, mm -hmm. you know, huffing and puffing and not really doing much. Yeah. But I definitely get you uh, on that. But I, I, I still think he had some good points. There. So I know what you mean. It's not like a total downer. No, yeah. no, no, it's not. I think that's the thing. It's just, they had to an extra 30 minutes in this film. If Budget had have allowed, I'd say they would have gone. Because we did get that one scene without Ryan Reynolds where Ajax is there dealing the slaves to the rich oil baron, whatever. Mm. So we that's where we got the motive. 
Um, like, and I think we could have got more when the Angel Dust and Ajax are in the room and he's after being secured and he's talking to Angel Dust. I think you, we could have got more of that if time had have allowed. And yeah. I, yeah. I disagree with one point in that DC kind of have somewhat better villains. I think DC has better villains because we know them. Look at, awesome. look at Man of Steel. Zod's back, like Zod is your typical villain. He's a bad guy, thinks he's doing right, and then wants to tear down the world. Like, mm. there's no, there's not much to it. And I know you, like, if, if any of our listeners could, could see Derek and John's face right now, he's squirming at me. I wouldn't say that's the definitive version of Zod in Man of Steel. I don't think anybody would. I think the definitive version of Zod is from Superman 2. Um, and that is a quite a complex character and a very different character. Exactly. But um, you can't compare. But, but definitely, I, I probably, I, I think in my head, and I think, uh, Obviously, because we do Gotham and we deal with Batman quite a lot, obviously, in my head, Joker is the one that stands out to me as being, um, regardless of who plays the character, uh, there's always a really interesting take available for those actors. And they've always taken a a chance on uh, doing very different versions of them because it's such a wide reaching character and and a character that's been around for a long time. I do find sometimes some of the Marvel villains tend to have the same modus operandi, regardless of who they're fighting oh, yeah. uh, in this That's week's fair. comic book. It tends to be, right, my job here is I'm Red Skull, I lead the Nazis, and we are going to go out and we're going to take this. And no matter which who it is that's fighting him, whether it be the Nick Fury and the Highland Commandos or Captain America or whoever else is the is the uh, hero that's taking them down, it's pretty much a similar storyline for that character. No, I mean, I would agree. I, I don't think uh, in uh, Man of Steel, Zod um, is necessarily the best bad guy but you are given some context as to why he's acting mm, like yeah. he is by the first 20 minutes where he's trying to essentially do a coup and this idea of um you know all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. so you, you get some background here it's just simply because probably as you say it's an hour and a half all, all we really see with Ed Screen is that he's the guy doing the test. Yeah. And, and that's it. And that's why Deadpool goes after him. But to be honest, for me, that's all I needed to see in this film. I didn't need Ajax's backstory because um, that's not, I don't think, what's important about this film. This, for me, I don't really have any bad points about this film. I'm sure that if any other time or any other reason I would have watched this, I probably would have pulled out bad points absolutely i'm not saying it's a perfect film but for me this was just it what it kind of washed towards me and i laughed um i i enjoyed the the fight scenes um it it was that kind of movie for me absolutely it was just fun i could take and leave things that weren't necessarily developed because to me this was a great fun film yeah yeah no i agree total total fun so I think I'm going to crack on to my final point uh, on this. The one set of characters we really haven't talked about is the X-Men that we get in this movie. Um, Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I have to try and get that into my head because I, I couldn't remember it uh, even after coming out of the cinema. Uh, even though Negasonic Teenage Warhead is the best named uh, X-Men I have ever heard of. Uh, and I think Deadpool is on my side. Um, the big character <laughs> for me here is Colossus. I absolutely love this version of colossus and for me it's probably uh the best realized x-man on screen um because i grew up watching the x-men cartoon and 
Colossus in the cartoon, and much like the comics in the early 90s and, and throughout the 80s, Colossus is kind of that G.I. Joe character who, uh, who who kind of tells you what the moral of the story is. And even though he's a big guy and can punch through walls, he's always trying to be the moral center of the X-Men. Yeah. Um, and I just love the touch that he's trying to be a moral center to the least moral character in the Marvel Universe. If they had <laughs> the choice of every single X-Men, if budget allowed, and they could have brought in every single X-Men, they couldn't have chose a better foil for, uh, for Wade Wilson than Colossus in this film. Um, I love the interplay with this character all the way throughout the film. I love that he's mentoring a younger X-Men in, in Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Uh, I love that there's a great moment in a fight scene with Angel Dust, which is the moment I mentioned earlier on, um, where she uh, is fighting around in her tiny little uh, skimpy top and the top falls off. Uh, he politely picks it up and tells her that uh, she's got a boob exposed, um, as he would, because he's a lovely gentleman. <laughs> uh, and then they crack back into their fight afterwards. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And of course, the final moment as he's giving his rousing speech to Deadpool and telling him you can you can turn your back on the on the life you've had and join the X-Men if you want to and Deadpool takes the shot and takes out Ajax with a bullet to the head. Uh, I think it's fantastic and without Colossus I think the movie would have lost something. Um I don't know. I, I don't know what your feelings are on that. Overall, I like the character. Um, I wouldn't say I was such a fan of the 90s TV show. I was right. a fan of the 90s TV show, not just not Colossus' character. Uh, I'm much more of a Nightcrawler-esque rogue gambit style. I like my Cajuns. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know what it was, but the, the the CGI just some of Colossus somehow felt off half the time. I Again, mm. it's I'm nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking I think because I don't like to say this was one of the best films ever created you're allowed to say that if you want to <laughs> I think it's it's in my it's now open my top 10 it's probably top 5 films I'll be honest I think they could have done more with them I know there was a lot of back and forth I know the original character who played Colossus in the original X-Men films um, he backed out. That's right. Daniel Cudmore decided that he wasn't going to play this part because he thought the movie was going to be a failure. Yep. <laughs> oh, he's probably crying oh, himself to sleep. I'd say so. But then they got two actors now. They got one to play the voice and one as a stunt double or body double. And then they just CGI'd the body double. Like they wrapped him in blue. I loved the, the character. I think you're right. He brought in the, the family friendliness, the, 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 the mentor element. They're trying to get Wade back on track. It was great. He was great for a character point of view and he was great at the end, especially with Angel Dust and with her, her female parts prop out. Like it was brilliant. That made me laugh. Uh-huh. I spe- it actually made me laugh more when he runs after Angel Dust and then gets hit. And then it was, it was Negasonic Teenage Warhead that has to knock her down. That was even better. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, yeah. wait, let her finish her tweet. <laughs> that was brilliant. His poor wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was just, for, for me, I think it was just a CGI that kind of, Pulled me out of it slightly in a in a film that's not very much CGI'd. But yeah. That we well okay in the seat. Well, apart from the flying body part, of course. But I think they made <laughs> they they spent more time on that. I think it was just every now and again. I don't know what it is. I've seen other people complain about this, and I'm trying to think that I haven't been jarred to it. But it was um, apparently if you splice the film very slowly, you can see that some of the CGI isn't as well finished as the others. So yeah. I'm like, oh. and that's probably going to happen on on the budget they had. Like you know, fifty eight million dollars isn't a huge nope. amount for this type of film. Uh, I will say there was there was a moment or two that I thought there was a guy wearing a big metal suit, 
Um, that it's not that the CGI was that good; it's that it felt like it was really uh, sitting in place for a bit too long. It wasn't moving naturally. Yes. If you know what I mean? Um, but uh, you know, again. I was laughing too hard most of the way through this film to uh, to take note of a couple of these things. So yeah, I think uh, I'm also nitpicking a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me, I think the character was the perfect foil, and, and like to see him in there. Really, really good. And just a little note on on Negasonic Teenage Warhead's uh, greatest moment uh, is really when uh, Wade Wilson turns around to her and says, "You're all about long silences and mean comments. So which <laughs> ones are going to be?" And she goes, "You got me. I've got nothing else." Yeah. <laughs> Great response and a great, great little moment there. Um, John, do you have a final point for us? I do have a tenth point. Um, it's Blind Al. It's the blind lady. Mm-hmm. Um, I love some of the interaction between her uh, and hilarious. Deadpool. Um, I love the IKEA gag um, with the drawers. <laughs> uh, maybe it's just a reflection of my age and the fact that I've bought so much IKEA crap. Um, <laughs> I just was like, okay, <laughs> I get that. There was you recognise every single name of every IKEA every no, IKEA piece of didn't. furniture. Well, I did, <laughs> but it's the fact. No, that I having... just called it the Hooty Grooty or something <laughs> like that. And I mean, that's what it would be. But it was but just the like... fact of Wade having his blind. Uh, roommate builds the IKEA <laughs> furniture. It was hilarious. Uh, oh. Like I loved it. I loved the tiny hand um, conversation on the sofa with her. Oh, yeah. um, there was the David Beckham conversation about well, looks are everything. Have you heard him speak? His like his mouth has uh, been sexed with a can of helium. Or something. Uh, like <laughs> it was just. Uh, I, I loved um, just their whole interaction. It was just great for me and then they were kind of like just the 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 three little points that i I kind of took from from that uh, Uh relationship i'm sure she's way more important to uh deadpool than that uh chris uh correct me if i'm if i'm wrong on that but like i just love their kind of um to and froing uh throughout the whole movie absolutely absolutely like the first their first meeting as well was really good fun where uh he's trying to wash the blood out of his white outfit why don't you just wear red you idiot then you hide the blood (laughs) (laughs) it's just just great and she's the blind one you know (laughs) yeah no i i love blind al they picked the perfect for a split second you even though I knew it wasn't, I was sure that it was um, the woman who plays a horror in Star Trek, Michelle Nichols. Don't know why. Just literally, I saw her and I was like, "Oh, what? They got Michelle Nichols?" And I was like, "No, no, no." But okay. Um, no, I, I blind out is brilliant in the comic books, and she's actually an integral part. They've left out one or two other mm-hmm. characters who I would have liked to see, and I'll talk about one of them in a while. There's there is one more in there from the comic books, isn't there? Good. Because I saw him and I recognized him as well. I was very impressed with myself. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, no, blind out. The, the, I, you're right. It was The moments on the couch again was the best for me. He's like, okay, you go off now. That was just like, I was like, oh, no. Um, but yeah. I think it, like they played it in this where she loves him or something, which was a bit weird. I'm not sure. I think it was. I think there was a, a great little moment of him saying, um, you can go off and try and find the money in the walls uh, oh, yeah. or the $200,000 worth of crack that I hid in there. And the cure for blindness. Um, so I'm not too sure whether uh, whether there was much love lost between the two of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was good. I, I really have to admit, I, I liked it. Cool. And Chris, do you want to close us out with your final point? <clears throat> I think we're up to about 28 points, which makes yes. up for all those times we didn't do a full It does, and now I'm going to round it to a good podcast, fit. Right? Um, <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump in with a couple of Easter eggs that I caught. Just some of the nice ones I enjoyed. 
but obviously there's hundreds more. Well, at least tens of fifties and twenties. Mm-hmm. If there's a hundred of them, uh, you guys jump in. Um, okay. The first one I loved was in the scenes where Wade's dealing with the stalker pizza guy. He's wearing a t-shirt with the portrait of Bay Arthur on mm-hmm. the front. Um, from the Golden Girls. Yeah. Cause Deadpool has a, an affection for Bay Arthur. <laughs> yeah. So it was brilliant. I was like, Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I love it. And, um, did you see what the pizza boxes were called? <laughs> Feige's favorites? No. Yeah. For Kevin Feige. Feige's favorites. I was really? like, that's a nice nod. Okay. That's very um, cool. <laughs> yeah. So I just, there were two from the beginning that I liked. Uh, and then we mentioned it, uh, when Colossus is on the bridge and he takes it and goes, I'm going to take you to see the Charles. And he goes, which one? McAvoy or Stewart? That, that for me just was the perfect. A brilliant little call out to the other films and again, another four, fourth wall breaking um, moment. We as did well. mention the Halle Carrier. Cool. Yeah, definitely. That was perfect. Okay. It's not referenced not by Carrier, name, but, but it's anyway. a wrecked Harry <laughs> Carrier. I, in my head. <laughs> no, they specifically said. They tried to get the rights for it and didn't get them from Marvel. So no, it's not okay, Harry. we get that. But <laughs> they, it, say, they have said because they don't want to get sued. They have said it's not in a my head, It takes place after civil after either Civil War, or Winter Soldier, probably since Winter Soldier. It'd be amazing doing the inverted quotes. It it's be. not a Harry <laughs> exactly. Carrier. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I think I don't know if I talked about it. Uh, the wallet at the very beginning of the show's. Ryan Reynolds in his Green Lantern costume. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, the Green Lantern uh, wallet, wasn't oh, it? Oh, and then... No, not yet. Oh, get to the uh, big one, When Chris. Wade Wilson is getting his the experiments done up, did you see Marrow in the background? So there's a woman on a no. gurney with sprouts of bone sticking out of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Marrow, who oh. is the leader of the Morlocks and the X-Men uh, in the X-Men universe. Or kind of first, oh, nice. if you want to call it that. And when Lenter later went on to become a member of the X Men and stuff. Oh, right. yes. So the Morlocks, okay. I remember, these are the ones yeah. that live and under so the ground. They're a very them. weird kind of race, aren't they? There I think I remember go. that from, from the X Men cartoons, you see. And she was kind of the leader yeah. of them, wasn't she, who left them and joined the X Men for a while. Yeah, as far as I remember. God, that's going back a ways. I'm on my penultimate one. Uh, Hugh Jackman can only be seen twice in this movie. Once on the cover of the magazine. Oh, yeah, uh, and then the best one was uh, where he, obviously uh, Deadpool takes his mask off and it's Hugh Jackman's face. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, stapled to his face, uh, stapled. <laughs> it was brilliant. I honestly thought there was something wrong with the uh, with the face makeup he had on because of the, you see it from the back and it's kind of a little yeah. bit of a <laughs> looks like a little bit of skin is kind of peeling off. And then yeah, as it goes around the other side, and it's just uh, Marina Bakarin pulls off the uh, the uh, the picture from his face, and you can still see the staples <laughs> in his chin and in his forehead. Fantastic! Yeah. Loved loved the gag. He sold it completely. No, I wouldn't put it past Ryan Reynolds to actually have it stapled to his face, though. It could be uh, the best favorite kind of mention of Wolverine for me was the mention of uh, Wolverine. In other words, he had to have uh, uh, intercourse with uh, someone to in order to get this film made. Uh, it rhymes with Pulverine. Um, I was like, oh, that's Because I actually saw people look and go, who? And I was like, oh, my God, people. Come on. Um, and now to get to the one that is annoying, Derek. Uh, the best one when Deadpool's fighting the soldiers. At the end, he recognizes one of them and goes, Bob. Da-da! The best character out of the Deadpool comics. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Bob, agent of Hydra. That's right, Hydra Bob. Yes, 
they even mentioned that they that they fought alongside each other in the past. So this is definitely Hydra Bob, isn't it? So, uh, but they just couldn't use Hydra because it's all over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So they uh, they definitely don't get Hydra in that deal for the X Men. Oh, but um, no. well, if they don't yeah. get a helicarrier, they certainly don't get exactly Hydra. exactly. But it was Hydra Bob, <laughs> like it was a helicarrier. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and here's one for any Disney fans. Apparently, and I've yet to prove been anyway proven that in the hedge as you see the xavier school there's a mickey mouse in the hedge Mm -hmm. apparently so now i don't know i don't know if that's true or not (laughs) i I did i only heard about this recently right um but it's yeah when i get um when i get kind of a a blu-ray version of this i'll be looking out for that oh and then um your friendly neighborhood pool guy Mm -hmm. oh yeah Spider-Man reference. There you go. I mean, I can keep going. Like when Weasel tells Wade, <laughs> nice. uh, "Go get her, Tiger." Spider-Man reference with Mary Jane. Like they just filled them all. I'm like these. You know, the ones I mentioned were my favorites. Yeah, no, really good. And and there's hundreds of them. There's hundreds of them. But yeah, there's there's one every minute, really, isn't there? There's so much going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I think we've hit all of our five points and probably brought in all of our notes as points, except for one tiny one that I've kind of forgot to mention, which is probably my favorite exterior character uh, outside of Colossus and outside of Deadpool. Um, Depender, the taxi driver, uh, is such a dark character and fantastically put together. I kind of want to see him as a Saturday Night Live sketch on his own. Um, he, he, you know, he, he, I love the influence that Deadpool has on this guy. He basically has a photograph of yep. his uh, cousin's wife, is that right? Um, in the car, and basically, because of the instruction of Deadpool, he kidnaps his cousin, sticks him in the back of the car, uh, hoping to impress his his cousin's wife. Um, that's all Deadpool's fault. But I love how it's played out, and I love that it comes back later on. And the fact that he's probably going to be in prison for a long, <laughs> long time after the car crash that uh, may may have injured or killed his cousin, uh, who was trussed up in the back of the car. A really nice point. Apparently, Dupinder is named and kind of modelled after a guy that uh, Ryan Reynolds went to school with really who died because a lightning struck him oh right well and he well. then thought this would be a really nice kind of tribute piece, to him, a tribute to him. interesting ah like, oh, that's really cute except for, um, except for the fact that he's a kidnapper yeah exactly I'm kind of like going is this a joke did he I don't <laughs> I, this is the thing with Ryan Reynolds you just don't know it's like yeah. is he making this up now Ugh. Love it, love it. But yes, that's one of my one of my favourite exterior characters in uh, in the movie. I think that's it for every one of the notes that I have. Uh, John, do you have any notes? I just love the the children's drawings um, for Have You Seen This Person? And like he holds up the obviously the 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 children's drawing, <laughs> drawing of Francis. Yeah, yes, yeah. Absolutely. Like it was just all of that was really good. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that was that was just one of my notes. There is a great one actually towards the end of the movie when he uh, when, after he gets stabbed in the head and has the the knife sticking out of his head and Miranda Bacaran telling him how much she loves him and is going to spend the rest of her life with him and then you see the cartoon characters climbing up her body. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time that that is because he's got a knife in his head. His brain is going mental, <laughs> essentially. So he's starting to see things and hallucinate effectively because of the knife in the head. Lovely touch, lovely touch. Uh, Chris, I do My favorite part at the end, I'm just leaving this, is the end, the end credit scene 
Yes. The, the two end credit scenes. The skit. The skit. Um, where Ferris he comes Bueller's out. Day off. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was mimicking the post credit scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. It was just brilliant. I am so um, old that I saw that in the cinema the first time, I think. Uh, yes, closing credit scenes was was fantastic. The uh, the reference to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Was dead. For me, it was just the best part. It was just like, yeah, he, he literally kind of, go home, the movie's over. Mm-hmm. But then it cut, and I was like, hold on. And then he comes back, and he's he's now officially said that Cable's in the sequel. I they know. hadn't confirmed the sequel at that point, and it was like, yeah, we're going to make a sequel. He, again, they forced the hand of the, the studio yep. to make a sequel. And the best one is like Mel Gibson, Dolph Lundgren, or Kira Knightley. <laughs> and I'm she can like, do anything. <laughs> I really want to see Kira Knightley in that role. I'm not the like people okay. mocked her up in as this. If you go out like really? this fan art oh, of her as his cable, I'm like, that could actually work. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, I don't know about, uh, but there's a, the guy from the 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 army general from yes, Avatar. Avatar. Um, he's in the running and now he's on social media campaigning to be cable. That's right. I could uh, see that too. Yeah. I no, could definitely see that he has the look. Yeah. No, it's going to be. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's, that, that's my final point. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Okay, guys. So there we go. We've wrapped up. Um, but I want to quickly ask you, Derek, do you defend Deadpool the movie? I certainly defend this film. This is one of the most fun, uh, comedy films I think I've seen in years. One of the most violent action films I think I've seen in the in years. Um, one of the best comic book movies I think I've seen in years. Wasn't expecting to like it at all. I'll be hundred percent honest here. I was expecting that I was going to be a bit of a naysayer coming out of this film, uh, but I enjoyed every single moment of uh, of this film overall. Um, and I can't wait for for Deadpool two. Uh, so that's the strongest endorsement I think I can give it. I definitely defend this movie. John, do you defend Deadpool? I do defend Deadpool. Um, I give it um, a resounding three and a half tiny hands out of five. <laughs> um, like for me, I had no expectation going into this and, and maybe I would give it four tiny hands actually. But this was just great fun. It's not a perfect movie, um, but this was great fun. I laughed and I really, really enjoyed it. I loved the just the adult sort of uh, non-mainstream uh, aspects of all of this it's just it was refreshing if if you want to put it in in, in that way mm-hmm. um so i i laugh loads in this i it didn't actually bother me um uh, about the the negative points that yeah you know there was a bit of dodgy cgi and um, maybe some of the characters could have been um sort of better contextualized within the film but for me um this was just fun, fun, fun. It was fun, violent, fun, um, laughter, fun, um, tongue in cheek. It was everything that I didn't know what to expect. And it, it, it came, uh, really positive, uh, for me, yeah. uh, the, the whole experience, um, really, really enjoyed it. And in fact, seen it twice. So, I mean, like this was a great film and I have to say, um, duck eggs in, in, in a blanket. And on that note, Chris, do you defend Deadpool? A hundred chimichangas, yes. Like, <laughs> it's just, as usual, I went down on the film a bit. Oh, Wade loved that. Oh, and of course, we banter. We go back and forth. He looks like an avocado. <laughs> it's fine. Um, for me, it was just, this was the right actors 
the the right script. I don't like scoring, but if I had to, it was hovering at a nine, nine point five. Like if it had been given a bit more budget, if it had have been given a bit more length, they could have kind of expanded out a few things. They could have done a few things better. And I think this has proven or rated films work. It is proven that uh, not Absolutely. every comic book film has to be for a twelve year old. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to cater to the whole audience that we, the generation of comic book lovers who've grown up with comic books, are now in our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. We love the fact that we can go to these films and see what we have always wanted to see. Look mm. at Daredevil. Look at Jessica Jones on Netflix. They've made these adult TV shows based on comic books we all loved. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Reynolds is take star, absolute star of this. He embodies the character perfectly. TJ Miller is brilliant. A British villain, the moody teen, the gratuitous cameo, the CGI character, uh, or a fully CGI character. Fantastic. Uh, the writers, what was it? The, the, the real heroes. Of mm-hmm. the film, um, they wrote it fantastically, and I think um, uh, bah, 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 Tim Miller, mm-hmm. and I think Tim Miller. Okay, yes, it's his first outing. I'm not surprised if Fox or Marvel or someone is knocking down his door right now, trying to sign him on for two, three films. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like he picked this perfectly, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. He can probably charge what he wants. And yeah, I would ha- yeah. I would happily go see number two in an instant, and I'll happily go see any other Tim Miller films. And I'm going to leave you with this, listeners. Just imagine our two avocados at law had a baby, and it is <laughs> Wade Wilson. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, thanks very much for joining us, listeners. If you want to hear our other coverage of uh, the Marvel Netflix shows, you can join us uh, every week uh, over on DefendersTVPodcast.com. Currently covering uh, Agent Carter, but very soon leading into Daredevil Season 2, which comes into our uh, Netflix accounts on March 18th. So we'll be covering that pretty soon. But uh, come join us over there and subscribe to the podcast on DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. If you want to send us your thoughts about Deadpool or any of the TV shows that we cover, make sure you send us an email over to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at DefendersCast or follow us on Facebook. Join our group uh, at DefendersTVPodcast. Really delighted you guys have been here for this one. Great to have all three of us back around the table again. Yeah. Welcome back, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. They they only let me come out for special occasions now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's Chris not true. host. <laughs> let Chris host. Nice. <laughs> But look, thank you very much, guys, and I'll chat to you soon. Yeah, thank yes. you. I am your British villain, and I'm off to assemble an IKEA wardrobe with my eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Jim I'd love to know more. I just, I, I want to know why. Kind of like. At the moment, he just feels like a stooge. What was that noise, Chris? Oh, uh, the bus, sorry. Let me try one for Do you want to just, just uh, repeat? Jamie Jankus. Very soon be transitioning into Daredpool. Nope. See, look, I didn't <laughs> get it Yay, you didn't get it wrong for the whole podcast. I got it wrong the wrong way around. Jamie Jankus. This has been a Flickering Myth Podcast Network production. For more information, head over to flickeringmyth.com for more shows like it. Find this show in iTunes by searching for the podcast name and head over to youtube.com forward slash flickering myth to subscribe to the Flickering Myth movie show. We'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye bye.